Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labumba Pastors blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's lesson is entitled Acts 2, A True Gospel Response. It is the next in our series on the book of Acts. We're going to begin by reading from Acts chapter 2 from verse 33 to verse 37. It says this, Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? I've had many different experiences in personal evangelism. Any person who consistently seeks evangelistic conversations where they share the gospel will find that experience as well. But though each conversation is unique, I find that they can fit into several common categories. There are those types of people who have already convinced themselves they know what is true. A zealot of a false religion or wrong worldview is a challenging person to share truth with. They will always interpret things back through their convictions. Jesus described these people as a twofold child of hell. In Matthew 23, verse 15, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, that's a convert, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. This expression shows how hard it is to convert someone who's been converted to a false system previously. I found this true many times dialoguing with believers in Uganda that are used to mingling cultural views with Christianity. It can be very hard for them to see any need to amend their thinking and action. Another response to the gospel you get from some people is indifference. This means they don't really care about the message. Jesus told this parable which illustrates this type of person. In Luke 14, from verse 16 to 20, we read, But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. These people all had better things to do than respond to the invitation to the banquet. These are the kinds of people who respond to the gospel by saying, Oh, that's nice for you to believe, but won't make any application to themselves from it. Another reaction we see to the gospel is anger about the claims it makes. The Jewish leaders demonstrated this when Stephen preached to them. In Acts chapter 7, in verse 52 to verse 54, we read, Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? 
and they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the Righteous One, whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels, and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. Notice that Stephen's presentation to these leaders is not so much different than Peter's presentation of the gospel in Acts 2. Both of them declared the guilt of the people to their listeners. But here we see Stephen's listeners were so angered in their response to his declaration of their guilt that they actually were grinding their teeth in rage. Some people react that way when you tell them they're guilty before God. They don't want to hear about their guilt. They want to be left alone. And they get angry at anyone who implies that they are guilty and that there will be judgment because of their guilt. These men then laid violent hands on Stephen and killed him. Another type of response I've experienced are those who come to Jesus with their terms and conditions. Here's an example of this to, to show you what I mean. In Luke chapter 9 from verse 59 to 62 we read, To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. These people come looking for something specific they want from God. That's what I mean by coming to God with terms and conditions. I will do this only if you do this. This is a very common trait of people in Uganda. I once spoke to an alcoholic after a service I preached at, and the man came to me to ask that if he gave his life to Christ, whether Jesus would help him quit alcohol. He said he had lost his family and was an outcast in his community because he was enslaved to alcohol use. So majorly, he didn't want a relationship with God, but he wanted to be free from the consequences of his alcoholism. I told him Jesus does help us overcome sin control, sin's control over us, but that he is not our personal helper to rid us of things we don't want or bring us things we do want. I told the man he should want Jesus because he understands he is a sinner condemned by God and that Jesus died to save him from that condemnation. The man, to my knowledge, was never saved. I've heard other people approach Jesus asking, If I give my life to Christ, will he provide for me? Others say, If I give my life to Jesus, will he heal me? All these responses that I've listed reveal falsehood in a person's response to the gospel message. There is only one true response to the gospel, and these people in Acts 2 illustrate it for us. The passage says that when they heard those things, they were cut to the heart. There's a story of two soldiers who were best friends, serving as men-at-arms together in a certain king's army during the Middle Ages. One night, an enemy attacked their camp, an enemy army attacked their camp and threw it into confusion. During the attack, the friends were separated from each other. Every man was fighting for himself, 
and not really able to tell who they were fighting or which direction they were running in the darkness. The fight continued all night. During the battle, one of the friends became engaged in combat with another soldier. These two struggled for over an hour, with neither being able to gain an advantage over the other, until finally the one friend ran his sword through his opponent's body. Because of the length of the contest, the friend knelt down breathing heavily beside the body of the man he had just killed. Early dawn was just beginning to break, and the friend recoiled in horror from the body he knelt beside when the light revealed the man he had been fighting and finally managed to kill was not an enemy soldier, but was actually his best friend. The two had not recognized each other in the dark. I imagine the way that man felt about killing his best friend is somewhat how these Jews felt when they realized what they had done to their Messiah. They had been waiting for centuries for the promised one to come. He was their rightful king and lord, but though he healed their diseases and taught them the way to God, they didn't listen to him or believe in him. Instead, they delivered him up to the Romans and accused him of being a blasphemer. And then their Messiah died on a cross to take the punishment that they themselves deserved. These men show us the right response when we realize what our sin has done. They are heartbroken. They probably ask themselves, what have we done? Have you ever made a mistake so bad you ask yourself that question? Oh no, what have I done? Brethren, that's the reality of each of us in our sin. What have we done? We've been responsible for the death of God's Holy One. Which leads then to the men's question. They ask Peter and the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? You know, God's answer to that question is so beautiful and so simple. In Acts chapter 2 from verse 38 to verse 41, we read this. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Repentance is a word that means to turn away from something. It implies having a change of heart. If a person is truly sorry for something, they are not going right back to do it again. Thus, a true response to the gospel is always demonstrated by a change in a person's behavior. The opposite is true for those who come to Christ with their terms and conditions. When they don't get what they want, do they continue following Jesus? No, not at all. They go back to what they've always done. But these people responded to God's call and promise. We read that 3,000 were baptized into the Christian faith. In our next passage in Acts 2, we're going to see just how dramatic a change the gospel made in these people's lives. But for concluding today, 
let's ask ourselves some questions. How am I responding to the gospel? Do I come to God with terms and conditions and expectations of what he must do for me? Or am I desperate for Jesus to forgive me for my sin? Am I content with my circumstances? Or does my faithfulness depend on whether God gives me what I want? Am I most mindful of the things of God? Or when I receive his invitation, do I tell him I'm very busy with other things and that sometime later I will attend when I'm more free? If you haven't turned to Christ in truth, do so today. You do not know if you will ever have another opportunity. God bless you all.